to stay ahead of your competition, a lot of your success rises or falls based on your current marketing plan. Get ready for the Mojo Marketing Edge Radio Show. Today, hosts Ira Rosen and Corey Michael Sanchez will open up your awareness of the many different ways to market your business and reap major results. Now, here is the team behind Mojo Video Marketing, Ira and Corey. Hello, hello, Corey Michael Sanchez here, and Ira Rosen. Welcome to the Mojo Marketing Edge. It's been a, it's been a minute. We've been uh, on kind of a travel hiatus for a little bit uh, here. I was in Barcelona, Spain, all over Spain in Ibiza, and and uh, we just got back from Austin, Texas, for a mastermind. So good to be back. Good to be doing the show, right, Ira? It's always good to go, but it's always better to come back home. So you know, we all know what that feels like. There's nothing like being back home today. We have a special special treat for you because you know how we scour uh, the globe looking for the best of the best and so today is no different we're gonna we're gonna bring someone to you that has interviewed over 2500 top top achievers what do those top achievers all have in common what's that common thread and so there's a lot to learn there so um, you know so you're gonna so take a lot of notes write all this stuff down turn your phone off Forget about the distractions. You just focus on this next hour. This could be the most important hour for you the entire year. You walk away with a couple nuggets, and wow, you're all set to go. <laughs> all right, cool. Yeah, so we're, you know, this show is all about helping you generate more leads, more traffic, converting at a higher level, closing more business. So we're uh, really passionate about helping the entrepreneur really step up their game and do it faster, right? Not have to figure it out all by yourself. I mean, we've... Uh, cer- certainly been in that spot where we've, we've done things that have never d- been done before. And so we're here kind of like uh, the scouts, the rangers that go ahead of the, uh, the convoy in order to see what's, uh, what's on the horizon and bring back the, the best uh, methods and marketing tactics that you can use starting today. So he- today we're going to have a great guest. We have Corey Poirier, and he is uh, really world-renowned. He's uh, been on TEDx. He's a TED Talk speaker, which is fabulous. He's also spoken along with Deepak Chopra, Stephen uh, Covey, and Sean uh, uh, Majumder. I think I totally butchered that name, but one of the cool things about uh, about Corey here is, first of all, his name's Corey. I never met a Corey that I didn't like. And also, he's an international best-selling author of Share Your Message with the World. And he's certainly got some amazing messages he wants to share. He's been featured on CBC, CTV, Eastlink, Global Intelli, and many other stations out there. And, uh, and really got some great things. We're going to talk about becoming an enlightened super achiever. We're going to talk about his experience and all the keynotes that he's done. So, Corey, I want to welcome you to the show. Well, thank you so much. It's, uh, it's exciting to, uh, to be on the show today. I, uh, I love trying to hopefully reach people with an important message and, you know, doing all the research that I've done. I love trying to find ways to actually share it and actually get it out there and, and let people know what those common threads that you mentioned are. So really excited to be here today. Yeah, right on. Very, very cool. So, you know, I, I just want to talk about this real quick. I mean, how did you get started as an entrepreneur? What was that moment in which you knew, yeah, this is, this is what I'm destined to be? Well, you know what? If you talk to most entrepreneurs, I'm sure there was kind of that moment where they just said, this is, you know, this is for me or, you know, that epiphany moment where they realized this was what they wanted to do. Mine is, is not so sexy. What actually happened is I went through an entrepreneurial program 
when I was about 19 years of age, and we had to compete to get into the program because they were actually paying us a, a small weekly income to be in the program. And I did have a love for business, but I didn't really know that I wanted to get into entrepreneurship. I did know that uh, the job that I had been doing was no longer available, and I liked the idea of getting paid <laughs> to go to school. So I actually went through this program, and it was kind of like you know the statistics we hear about entrepreneurship. The program kind of modeled that because 10 people got selected out of close to 200, and at the end of the program, just a year later, only three people actually launched the business. And what happened was me and my business partner were going to launch a clothing slash CD store, but we had about, I'm going to guess, probably $100 combined in our bank account. And of course, the capital involved in launching a clothing and CD store was into the hundreds of thousands. But with the program, we were offered seed money to launch a business. So again, looking for a way to keep this thing going, I said, you know, while we've been learning about entrepreneurs, and I've, I've been excited and I've learned stuff that I've been able to apply to my life. Why don't we find a way to gather this information and share it with others? And so what happened was back, you know, again, at 19 years of age, finished this program, we actually launched a business newspaper, similar to Success Magazine, but on a obviously much smaller, more localized scale, where we would actually uh, research and interview local leaders and share their insight with other people. So the moment for me was actually more of a, fall back, uh, you know, buttward into a, uh, an opportunity and then realize how much I loved it after that. <laughs> okay. Well, hey, rule number one, when there's money on the table, you reach out and grab it. That's kind of like, you know, one of the things that, that uh, drives entrepreneurs. So, I, you know, so I think even though you say it wasn't sexy, it certainly, you know, felt entrepreneur because, you know, felt entrepreneurial because, you know, there was, there was opportunity to be had and you jumped at it. So, you know, kudos to you. So that was that was going back a ways. Now you've done all these amazing things. I mean, you published, you're on your eighth book now called Thrive, um, which is um, gaining huge headway in the market space. And you really talk a lot about enlightened super achievers. Why don't, let's talk about that. What? How would you define an enlightened super achiever? What is that and what are the common traits of one of those individuals? Well, it's, I mean, I love defining it for one key reason. It's because I used to actually just simply call it, early on in my interviews, I used to say, I'm interviewing high achievers. And what happened as a speaker, you try to read your audience and try to read what's not resonating with them and what is. And I noticed when I said high achievers, I felt this kind of vibe that told me that it wasn't resonating. So I put a question on my evaluation form about that. And what I come to find out was the reason, and it made sense once I heard it from somebody and, and people at the seminars, but what happened was they had that vision of that quote-unquote high achiever, like I saw in my sales career, that would step over people to get to the top and, you know, and push people to the side and not help carry other people up to the top with them. So they were thinking when I said I'm interviewing high achievers that those, you know, that was the definition. So the people that would do whatever it took to get to the top. And in contrast, the people that we were bringing onto the show and the people that I was interviewing were actually people that I would say their biggest goal was to actually help either pull people up to the top with them, push people up to the top before them, or help people, you know, walk up side by side with them. So, you know, to put a name to, quote, uh, you know, put, a, I guess, a face to a name, it would be like a Zig Ziglar or a Jack Canfield from Chicken Soup for the Soul. You know, these people are actually speaking to millions a year, but they're also, or they also, you know, in Ziglar's case was, or Wayne Dyer's case was, or Jack Canfield's case is, trying to help other people come along with them and try to enlighten other people and bring them along and, and educate them as well. 
So the enlightened superachiever, the definition to me, is somebody who gets to the top, reaches that top 1% of their field, but actually does it by empowering and impacting others' lives in the process. Excellent. Well, it's, I love it. So, Corey, you know, I, 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 I think it's really cool that you did a TED, uh, TEDx talk, and I listened to it. I was very impressed. And you talked about, you know, the five weeds that people need to uh, lose and, you know, prune in their garden. And so having said all that, you know, what are the common traits of a modern-day, you know, enlightened superachiever? And, you know, if you want to talk about, you know, just, you know, you got to, I'm sure that you could go for, you know, hours on this subject, but, you know, give us the Reader's Digest version of what you think those key points are. Yeah, absolutely. Corey, are you there? Absolutely here. Can you hear me? Yeah, yeah, we can hear you. Absolutely. Perfect. So I'll give you the top three if that works. And I'll, I'll start from three to one. I used to start from one to three. And, you know, you shouldn't reveal the first one. Number one went first, and then people are like, oh, well, I heard the top one. So um, the third most common trait would be that these enlightened super cheers go all. I think that you'll probably agree that we're in a world today where distractions are abound. You know, we have more distractions than we have. Absolutely. And what, so one of the things that, that I've discovered is these enlightened superachievers, they, I call it going all in. Some people might say they avoid the distractions, but the reason I say going all in is because they not only can remove themselves from the data device, let's say if somebody's standing in front of them, uh, remove themselves from the distraction that might be going on in their head, but then in turn, they also go all in. So let's say we're talking with the phone, you know, our biggest distraction, to, it seems, today. Whenever these people were sitting in front of me, very seldom ever did any one of, you know, these enlightened superachievers say, uh, you know, I'm sorry, i got to leave my phone on, or did they take a call, or did they, their phone even buzz? And yet, I would say that the average person has a hard time breaking away from their phone for more than five minutes. So what I know is that they go all in. And what I mean by that is that when they're with me, they're focused on me. And when they're with their phone or their devices, and I found this out through interview questions, they actually focus all in on their phone or their device. So the only difference is they completely focus on the task at hand versus allowing a distraction to pull them away. And so that's a major distinction because it also relates to, I talk about often in my, my talks about the importance of saying no, and it's probably once you get busy, it's, it's perhaps more important than saying yes. And so what I find these enlightened superachievers are doing is they're saying no to the distractions so they can say yes to the things that are actually bringing them toward their purpose. So that would be the, the third. The second would be that lifelong learners are leaders. And so what does that mean? That means that the people that continue to try to rise to the top are the people that continue to feed their mind. You know, so I mentioned Jack Canfield a, a couple of minutes ago. Well, you know, Jack is, is kind of renowned and known for going to seminars by other thought leaders and sitting at the back of the room and taking massive amounts of notes, going through, you know, full journals, while a, a person that's at their first seminar sitting beside him doesn't understand why they should take notes. So I've noticed that these enlightened superachievers, they continue to grow, develop, invest in personal and professional development, both in time and money. So that would be number two, and then number one, and then you can ask me questions about these, or we can talk about these if you want to drill down deeper. But number one is passion. So this probably surprised a lot of people listening in, but these 
enlightened super achievers, they've found their passion, they've found their purpose, and they go all in with it. And so what, you know, what I found because of that is that they're able to face any of the challenges or roadblocks or setbacks that they get hit with and continue to push forward. And the coolest thing that I don't want to not mention about these three top traits that I love is these are the most common by far. You know, once you get down to four and five and in the you know top ten, the percentages drop fairly quickly. But what's really neat about these top three is that it doesn't matter where you start. It doesn't matter your educational background. It doesn't matter how much money you have. You can start any of these three starting the minute you stop listening to the show. You know, the you're done listening to the show and the show's over, you can start applying them one minute later and you can actually bring them into your life without any sort of background or backstory or financial standing. So I just think it's so great that the things aren't something you have to spend five, ten years to accumulate. Yeah, that's great. And so let me ask you this, Corey, like, you know, you get to see what's going on out there in the, the social media world, how these people are acting, reacting, they're leaders, they've got passion. You know, is there something different they're doing to present their brand to the world uh, as a result of their enlightened super achiever status? For sure. What I see as, I'm going to say, the most common thread among these enlightened super achievers when it comes to marketing their brand, getting the word out there, when it comes to positioning themselves in front of their clients, is that they find ways regularly to deliver tremendous value. So, you know, we've heard of, you know, content creation being the sort of new king now. Well, they find a way as much as possible. It might be every day. It might be every hour. Uh, it might be every minute or it might be, you know, once a week. They find ways to add value and deliver value to their client base. And, of course, that is always going to, in my experience, build a stronger relationship with somebody than to simply, simply try to push something out and market to somebody. Love it. No, that's cool. Very cool. So it's all about the value, the information they can provide, and that they can keep doing that over time and have that sustainability factor, which is huge. So let me ask you this. How can we remain efficient in an inefficient, all-consuming world? Because, you know, for these guys, I mean, in order to have that super achiever status, you got to really accomplish at such a high level. And there's so many distractions these days, you know, that are always trying to tear away from that. So, you know, what, what are the trends here you're seeing with these super achievers on how they get it done? You know, it took me a long time to get this. And I was raised in a, a small little uh, province in Canada where, you know, saying you, you were kind of taught to say yes. And as then Richard Branson would say, uh, then figure out how to do it later. You know, say yes to everything that comes your way. And sadly for me, it took me a long time to learn that these enlightened super achievers do the exact opposite. So they actually know to almost everything that comes their way so they can focus crystal clear on the yeses that come their way. And if you look deep into it, it depends at the level they're at, but, you know, if you go on the level of somebody who's just starting today but wants to be an enlightened super achiever, well, that means doing some hard work and you have to actually have a system in place to say no to people early on, even when we don't necessarily want to say no. But when you come to the highest level, you can see they've actually built systems in place and layers to say no. So, for instance, when I reach out to perhaps secure an interview with somebody who, you know, is managing multiple, multiple things and probably doesn't have time for that interview, they have a whole system in place, i.e. gatekeepers, to say no for them. They don't even sometimes know that the opportunity came their way because they have solid people hired to basically weed that opportunity out. But if you don't have that person in place, then you have to have a system for deciding what to say yes and no to. And just a quick, I guess, 
tiny overview of what I do and how I started saying no to things is what I did was I actually put together what is, uh, you know, a mission statement, let's say, or a personal or purpose statement aligned with what do I want to achieve? And I decided long ago that what I wanted to achieve is I wanted to be known as the person that donated, motivated, inspired, educated, and entertained. And those are kind of my five areas that I want to make sure that what I'm doing, you know, I guess relates to that or aligns with that. So if somebody asked me to do something and it's zero or one of those, it's probably one of the easiest no's I'll ever say. If it's four or five, it's probably one of the easiest yeses I'll ever say. And then if it's anywhere in between, it's a let's think about this and weigh the options. But what doing that allows me to do by having that mini mission statement, it allows me to actually be able to look and say, what is a real no and what is a real yes? And then to be able to walk away without regret by saying yes or no. So the quicker answer is I've noticed that to stay efficient in an inefficient world, they have learned how to say no to the things that years ago they would have jumped at saying yes to because they know that it will distract them from their overall mission or purpose. You know, I think that's um, such a great point because um, uh, we're going to go for a break here in just a second here, but we're going to come back to that in just a moment. But um, uh, I want to I want to revisit that in just and just uh, on the other side of the break. Yeah, so, Corey, great stuff. You're on with Corey Poirier. We'll be back in just a moment. Have a short break. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. There is always one thing that will take your business from where it is right now to where you want it to be. One thing that determines the difference between failure and success. That one thing is leads. If you don't have leads, you don't have a business. Leads are like oxygen. Ira and I are going to show you 10 proven ways to generate an unlimited supply of leads. We are going to give you private access to our proprietary system for free. It's called Mojo Lead Mastery. This program guarantees you will never have to wonder where your next leads are coming from. Let's start creating the business you've always wanted and deserve. Let's get those leads fired up right now. You can start using our 10 award-winning tactics and tips. Go to mojoleadmastery.com to get your free trial in the Mojo Lead Mastery program. That's mojoleadmastery.com. You take the first step and we'll take the rest with you. Are you on LinkedIn? Are you making any money from it at all? At Mojo, we have cracked the code on tapping into LinkedIn's limitless high net worth leads. Did you know that the average salary on LinkedIn is over $112,000? The average salary on Facebook is just $61,000. There's an absolute gold mine on LinkedIn. You just need to know how to mine the gold. Mojo Global is going to show you exactly how to generate daily leads on LinkedIn automatically. Go to mojogoldmine.com to get a free video that walks you through three easy steps to get in front of up to 100 prospects a day on LinkedIn on autopilot. Once again, go to mojogoldmine.com now. That's mojogoldmine.com. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. listening to the mojo marketing edge 
To reach the show today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to connect at mojovideomarketing.com. Now, back to this week's show. And we're back. Corey Michael Sanchez here. You're listening to the Mojo Marketing Edge. You can also check us out at mojoglobal.com. We've got all kinds of great free goodies on there about using LinkedIn and driving more customers and clients, getting predictable leads, clients, and revenue. So there's some amazing free information that you can find on there, as well as get more show updates as well. So we're on with Corey Poirier, and he's really given us some great, great information on what exactly is an enlightened super achiever, right? What what uh, what is to be gained by being that? And what are the common trends that one has and experiences with that? So he's given us some really great insight into that. And you know, I wanted to jump to this real quick because I thought this was uh, an interesting, uh, a really interesting question here. But what's the difference for you, Corey, between a personal legacy statement and a personal mis- mission statement? And really, how does it kind of relate to marketing and branding and putting your word out there? Well, I kind of look at, I guess, one is sort of what, you know, what you're doing today, and then one is what you want to be remembered for. So, of course, they're, they're definitely interchangeable, but for me, it's how I kind of view them. So, one, I view as, you know, it's, it's sort of what I'm doing currently as of today, and then the other one is how I want to be remembered Overall, so the, of course the purpose one is is today. The legacy one is overall, and then in terms of how it relates to my marketing, of course, you know, if I know that, as an example, I mentioned, you know, I, that I want to motivate, donate, inspire, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, then it means that I want to make sure that my marketing aligns with that. So if I want to, let's say, inspire, then it might mean that I want to, whether it's marketing, paid marketing, or whether it's getting you know, a publicity in, you know, a, a certain magazine, then I want to make sure that magazine is aligned with inspiration, let's say, or, or its readers are people that I can reach in an inspirational way. Or if it's, let's say, on social media, it might mean that I want to make sure that if I put a post up on Facebook or LinkedIn, that it is either, again, educating, inspiring, donating. It's one of those things. So for me, how it relates to my marketing is I make sure that my message that people are hearing when they're learning about me is related to one of those aspects or all of those aspects. So that's, that's kind of how I tie it together. If it's not doing any of those five things, then to me, I'm not actually marketing my message in the best way because it's not reflecting the purpose that I want to actually serve today and the legacy I want to be known for tomorrow. Yeah, Corey, great perspective. You know, getting back to, you know, this all gets under time management and, you know, the best use of all of our times. And so, you know, for our audience, this is, this is the, I know this is probably one of the biggest challenges for business owners is the use of our time. Because uh, I'm sure you read the book, uh, The Four-Hour Workweek by Timothy Ferris. And, the, you know, the core message is 90% of our day is completely wasted and it's non-revenue producing. So, you know, how do you flip that around and so forth? And that's what, that's one of the things that we work super hard at, at at Mojo. So I'm glad that you're bringing this up and you're talking about that. The other thing that I really love what you just hit on earlier before the break was passion. You know, you can be you can you can have all the you can have the most amazing products and services, but if you don't have the fire in the belly and if you don't have the passion and you know like Tony Robbins once said nothing great has ever happened on this planet without excitement and passion. And so I'm sure when you did those interviews 
of 2,500 people, I'm sure that was a common thread uh, for all of them. And, and so maybe you could speak to that for just a moment again. I'm just curious about that. Yeah, 100%. Passion was the, the most common thread. So that's something that they they all shared. I mean, I, I, and I, I say all, I mean, it's pretty close to 100%. Like, it's, it's one of the few things that I can actually say is almost all-inclusive. It was, I mean, I almost didn't run into a case where somebody was able to achieve that high level of success without having a passion for what they're doing. And the sadder part, well, I guess the irony, I mean, is that they say less than 10% of people overall will ever find their passion. Wow. It's kind of ironic that I'm spending my time almost all day. So people say, why are you so happy all the time? Well, it probably helps that I'm spending my time with passionate people 90% of the day when apparently, <laughs> you know, less than 10% will ever find their passion. And we had a guest, uh, well, we interviewed a, a guy named Robin Sharma who wrote the book, The Monk Who Sold His Ferrari. And one of the things I love that he said during our interview was he said that most of the world uh, dies at 20. You know, most of the people in the world die at 20, but they wait until they're 80 to bury their body. And he calls them the walking dead. And I look at those, sadly, as the people that are walking around that maybe never will find their passion. And maybe no fault of their own, and I'm not blaming anybody, of course, but it is just to me is a sad statement. In fact, it's almost like the fact that, you know, 80 to 90% of businesses don't make it past five years. To me, this, those are two sad facts that I, I think if we could just you know, change it by 5 or 10%, it could actually transform, you know, perhaps even the world. So passion to me is something, of course, I'm, I'm very passionate about. And in terms of the fact that the majority of these people have found their passion, it really goes back to, I guess, the how did they do that? You know, maybe that's the, the bigger question is how did they find or tap into their passion? And, you know, the first part is sometimes I think people think when we say the word find their passion, it means that it's something external. Well, first of all, I believe all of our passion is internal and inside of us waiting to be uncovered. But I don't think most people peel enough layers back to find it. And so when people ask me, you know, you see these, all these enlightened superachievers who found their passion, and yet, you know, most people seem to be walking around without a purpose or maybe unhappy at their job. What's the difference? And my experience has been is that they actually, whether unknowingly or knowingly, have taken some mini steps that have unveiled their passion. So I'll give you the example for me. How I discovered my passion, which I would definitely say my key top passion is keynote speaking, and how I uncovered that quite by accident was I launched into a career as a stand-up comic, and I was invited to try my hand at it. I bombed my first show, and I wanted more punishment, I guess, so I went back for 700 more shows. (laughs) And what happened as a result is I would be a little more excited every week just to get 5 or 10 or 15 minutes of stage time, and people at work would say, did you fall in love because... You seem to have a little skip in your step. And what happened as a result is that it gave me a little tip and and maybe a a little uh, hint that I might be near my passion now or maybe this is my passion. So I started exploring it more and I kind of said, well, what would I do if money wasn't an issue, if if I had no handcuffs on, if anything was possible? And I I sat down and I did my own little sort of worksheet. And I I guess you could say I've fine-tuned it a lot better than that now. But when I first did it, I just sat down and asked myself those key questions. What would I do if I won the lottery? What did I want to do when I was a kid when money wasn't an issue? And I came up with a list, and speaking was one of the things on that list. So then I you know, figured out how far it was outside my comfort zone, set up some steps to get there, and then ultimately, after I guess it was probably about six or seven months, I, I came across what ultimately became my passion, and then I was able to, you know, at 20-some years of age, follow my passion ever since. So you know, what I would answer is, yes, it's a common thread and a common trait, 
sadly, the majority of the people don't get there. And I think all we have to do to get there is start asking ourselves what we were put here to do and sit down and ask ourselves, you know, what are the things we would do if, if the handcuffs weren't on us? And then perhaps start taking some baby steps to expand our comfort zone to get there. Wow. And, you know, let me ask you this. I mean, you know, let's just say that, uh, that, that you were doing a TED Talk again. And this was, you know, kind of your life's work summed up into, you know, 17 minutes, which is about how long they are, I think. And, uh, and you're in front of the large audience, right? So what would you, what would you talk about? Because I know you've done a TED Talk before, but like, you know, moving forward here, what would you talk about at that TED Talk if it was really kind of going to distill the biggest piece of your life's work? You know, today, I mean, let's take passion off the table because that would be unfair because that's kind of the obvious answer. So, I mean, that's one of the things I would talk about is I talk about the fact that uh, we can become fueled by vitamin P. And, of course, the P is passion. And I, I often share that it's the only vitamin we can't get in the stores and it's probably the most powerful vitamin we can ever take. So, let, you know, that, that would be the automatic go-to. But let's give you a second one that I've become really passionate about and see it as my purpose to sort of share is what I call the invisible impact. And so to share, you know, the fact that we're having an invisible impact, I think we all inherently, most of us inherently know that, but I don't think we know that there's ways that we can do it on purpose without trying to get any, of course, reward or result from it. You know, as an example, I just did what we called the invisible impact tour, and we went across the you know, 26 states in a matter of 16 days just to watch invisible impacts happen and, and try to uh, also maybe create some invisible impacts in a positive way. And, and what I'll define that as is a pay-it-forward moment, if you will. But I went to Jimi Hendrix's gravesite, and I watched this guy drive up in a little red car. He jumps out with uh, white gloves on, and he walked around the gravesite and cleaned up Hendrix's gravesite, jumped back in his little red car and drove off. And it occurred to me, he probably lives near the gravesite in Seattle, and he probably goes there every day because he wants to make sure that there's no litter on Hendrix's site. But consider the fact that Hendrix died 45 years ago. And this guy's still doing this perhaps daily. And you realize by following his own life design and purpose, Hendrix was able to have that kind of an impact, an impact where I'm sure there's not a day that goes by at his gravesite that at least somebody doesn't go there to pay tribute and thank him for what he did. So what I would share in that TED Talk is the power of our invisible and our visible impact to, to actually have a ripple effect that could change the world and how we could actually initiate that even by just going out there to maybe put a smile on somebody's face today. Well, I love it. I love it. You know, it's so interesting you bring it up, Jimi Hendrix, because Saturday night I had a we had a deep conversation about Jimi Hendrix, and so here we are a day later uh, talking about Jimi Hendrix. Wow! I actually saw him live in concert uh, many years ago, which uh, you know this these people I was talking to that that like blew their mind that I saw him. But no, that's a great story. So what I love is you know your perspective. Uh, you've had the benefit of, of interviewing all these great minds over the years. And really, it's all about, really what you're saying a lot is that it's all about getting like really, really clear on what, what's really important to you and asking yourself the right questions. And I think, I think that's an area where a lot of people struggle. They just, a lot of times, they don't even know what questions to ask. Uh, you know, just commenting on how people are, are you know, really not awake and how they, and I've, I, I believe that most people are buried uh, at age 80. Uh, they die from the neck on up, uh, 
or the neck on down and they're you know they're just they're just they're out there just sleepwalking i've got a name for that i call it zombie entrepreneurs and so it's really and so what you're doing what we're doing i think we all have a similar vision which is challenging and waking up the entrepreneur that you know people you know it's later than you think it's time to engage it's time to really you know reach your potential and so i'm sure that along the way that's got to be one of the most fun things is to talk to a group and to really awaken them and not only to get them all excited but to to realize later on afterwards that people are actually doing something different because of because of you know your 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 impact whether it was visible or invisible you know into the future so that's that's pretty exciting stuff so Moving forward, regarding you know we have a, you know we have a whole audience of entrepreneurs. What would you say right now is um, you know as far as marketing because this is always the key thing marketing and lead gen. What are the things that you think are really critically important on that? Yeah, let's talk about you know just from I mean we talked about like finding your passion right so. Uh, so let's talk about tactics. Once you've found your passion, you know what you want you want to do. You know how what how do we turn that into a tactical method using marketing and everything that's available to us now in order to really achieve that end result? Well, you know, I think it goes back to something that I, I mentioned earlier, and you know, don't let me forget to, to mention the importance of systems, which I'm sure you talk about in the show regularly. But you know, before I go there, I think, and the systems back up what I'm about to say meaning you have to have the system in place to make this work, but it's the giving of value. I go back to that same answer from earlier, So, but it's how you give the value. So as an example, I'll give you an actual example that we just, you know, I guess, applied from a marketing perspective that was kind of a game changer, and we're talking just in the last few months, and, and you know, it'll give you an example of, of how I believe you have to, I guess, approach your marketing efforts to make an impact and, and create you know, lead generation and conversion as well. So as the example, the thriving book that you mentioned, whenever we launched it, the first initial approach was, and there's, there's a kind of, I guess there's other things that are working in the background to make this happen. But of course we have the radio show. So we brought on a lot of thought leaders and even before that with our business publication. And so the first thing we did was I decided to put out a book that was, you know, the concept of it is how do enlightened super achievers thrive in a busy chaotic world stuff that we've already talked about today. And so what I did was I, I, I put together the first section on that. So that was kind of the, the book that was going to come out either way. But then I, I, I decided, well, how can I get this book out to more people? You know, what's the way to reach a larger audience? So since we had the radio show and we've had all these thought leaders that we've, we've shared their insight on the show, I said, why don't we go out and maybe take some of the highlights that were shared in maybe an audio format and, and turn it into uh, an insight that can be shared in the book by X amount of thought leaders. So we ultimately put together 101 thought leaders that we put into the book in section two, and that became the second section, which was basically a page per insight, which would have their photo, website link, their insight that they shared that kind of rocked our world, if you will. And we picked 101, almost like the idea of Insights 101, you know, versus reading or learning 101. And what happened was we put the book together and then did a launch for a month where people could grab the book for free. And those people that were in the book, we didn't make it mandatory or necessary to do it to be in the book, because to me, that would defeat the purpose. We just said, hey, we're sharing the book and the message and the news. We're going to tag you in and let you know we shared it. If you feel that you want to share it with your group and your networks as well, that, you know, that'd be awesome. Totally up to you. 
And so we put the book together and, and did the launch that way. We prepared systems, you know, when were we going to send out the, the information, what information were we going to send out, you know, what networks were we going to use, uh, how often, what time of day, all that kind of stuff. And then we shared it with the people that run the book. And, I mean, I have the percentages, it's not in front of me, but a large percentage of the people decided to share with their networks. And the end result was we had roughly, and I'm, I'm guesstimating here, but roughly 5,000 people in about three weeks that grabbed a copy of the book and actually joined our tribe. Oh, wow. And nice. That's fabulous. That's a pretty big, yeah. yeah, it's a pretty big number of both conversions and lead generation because, of course, you know, you're converting them at least to trade their, their email address to jump onto your newsletter, which allows you then to build a deeper relationship with them to eventually, if you're offering a program or what have you down the road, to make that possible. But, you know, that's just one example. But the, the things that were going on there is I used a system, of course, to get the message out of when we were going to do it, what's the best time of day, all those kind of things. And, you know, we went to certain groups that were larger groups that we thought this resonated with them and the message aligned with them that was in the book and got them to share it. Then we, of course, the people that were in the book, we've been constantly giving to them. I talked earlier about delivering value, but we've been giving to them without ever asking for anything in return. And even in this case, we were saying, you know, we want you to get the message out that you're in a book with Jack Canfield. You're in a book with PR Becker. And so it was still a benefit to them because it's a credibility booster. So try to make it a win-win-win, let's say, marketing uh, process and marketing program. And like I said, the end result was it, it did so well that we're doing it all over again in November. And we're just now barely launching it on Amazon and Kindle. I mean, it, it, was, it did so well that we were kind of overwhelmed and had to sort of pull it back a bit. So that, you know, that's just one example about what was going on there. Is we had a system in place, and we were finding a way to deliver a massive amount of value with little ask involved whatsoever. Very cool. Excellent strategy. I love it. I think that's great. You know, it's all about providing that value of, uh, of really uh, bringing the heat, right, to the, the audience that is looking for that. And, and the, the obvious reaction was that they wanted more of your stuff. So this is fabulous. So we're on with Corey Poirier, and we're going to take a short break. We're going to be right back. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you on LinkedIn? Are you making any money from it at all? At Mojo, we have cracked the code on tapping into LinkedIn's limitless high net worth leads. Did you know that the average salary on LinkedIn is over $112,000? The average salary on Facebook is just $61,000. There's an absolute gold mine on LinkedIn. You just need to know how to mine the gold. Mojo Global is going to show you exactly how to generate daily leads on LinkedIn automatically. Go to mojogoldmine.com to get a free video that walks you through three easy steps to get in front of up to 100 prospects a day on LinkedIn on autopilot. Once again, go to mojogoldmine.com now. That's mojogoldmine.com. There is always one thing that will take your business from where it is right now to where you want it to be. One thing that determines the difference between failure and success. That one thing is leads. If you don't have leads, you don't have a business. Leads are like oxygen. Ira and I are going to show you 10 proven ways to generate an unlimited supply of leads. We are going to give you private access to our proprietary system for free. It's called 
Mojo Lead Mastery. This program guarantees you will never have to wonder where your next leads are coming from. Let's start creating the business you've always wanted and deserve. Let's get those leads fired up right now. You can start using our 10 award-winning tactics and tips. Go to mojoleadmastery.com to get your free trial in the Mojo Lead Mastery program. That's mojoleadmastery.com. You take the first step and we'll take the rest with you. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to The Mojo Marketing Edge. To reach the show today, please call 1 866 472 5788. That's 1 866 472 5788. You may also send an email to connect at mojovideomarketing.com. Now, back to this week's show. And we're back. Corey Michael Sanchez here. This is the Mojo Marketing Edge. It's sponsored and brought to you by mojoglobal.com. Check it out. Lots of great free goodies on LinkedIn, lead generation, and domination. If you're in the B2B market space and you're looking for more clients, more appointments, want to fill your calendar, then check that site out. It's got some amazing stuff there. And we're on with Corey Poirier, who's talking all about some really great things that he's doing in collaboration space, you know, his, his books, how he gets um, people and audiences to take a look at him. And, you know, really, it's amazing how, how this can be done very little to no cost. And he's certainly built a machine around it. So, and I love that. And so, you know, Corey, let's dive into a little bit more about how you collaborate with other folks and how you do that and just really create leverage points where, you know, you're doing, you're doing 10 times, you're getting 10 times the results for uh, basically a fraction of the effort. So let's talk a little bit about that. How do you use in these days collaboration to really build more uh, firepower behind your message and get it out to more people? Well, well, we talked earlier about, you know, my TED Talk, the name being uh, how to get the, the weeds from your life. Well, you know, it's, to me, it, it's kind of the opposite scenario. It's the planting the seeds. So, and what I mean by that, of course, is the weeds. You didn't plant the seeds the seed for those to come up. They came up on their own. But the actual garden that you tried to build, you know, put together, you probably planted some seeds along the way. So, you know, what I've had to do throughout the years to make this collaboration possible and maybe, let's say, for lack of a better term, yield the rewards today, is I've had to put in the time without expecting to receive anything in return. And that time really translated into me giving value. And you probably see that's a common theme, but I've, I've tried to give first. I've tried to give first over and over again. And, you know, so as an example that I can give you is we, we worked hard. I mean, it's taken some guests to get on the show, some big-name guests. It's taken us months, and, and two in particular has taken us over a year. And I remember somebody recently bringing me onto a show, and they're like, oh, can you send us over your database of all the guests you've had on? Because we like some of them. And not realizing, you know, the effort that went into and the seed planning that went into building the relationship, that if I were to say, oh, here's some email addresses, you know, go out and reach them, that it would burn the bridges that it took me a long time to build. And so the first part that, you know, it goes on behind the scenes, it's almost like that overnight success story that's 10 years in the making. Sure. It, it took some planting of seeds to get to the point where I could collaborate. But now, but I'll also, you know, continue one step further and say it doesn't have to be, you know, the long process that I mentioned. It doesn't have to be years before you can benefit from, let's say, joint venture partnerships or collaborations. It could be as simple as finding small ways to give first to a person, to get on their radar, 
you know, so maybe, maybe as an example, you're on their Facebook page. And let's say maybe they got a bigger, a little bit of bigger brand or tribe than you. Maybe it just means you trying to get their message out. If you really believe in their message and you like a quote they're sharing, maybe it means sharing their quotes regularly. Or if you have a newsletter, maybe it means putting something in the newsletter and, and adding value for your newsletter list while also, you know, maybe making sure they know, of course, that you're trying to get their message out because you believe in it. You know, as a great example, uh, the Zig Ziglar uh, website or Facebook page, I haven't looked in a little while, but the last time I looked, it was over 3 million followers. And when we interviewed Tom, Zig's son, it was at 250,000. And that all happened in about a year and a half. Well, Tom knows, even from back then till now, you know, that we've, we've, I mean, Zig Ziglar was the first sales trainer I ever saw, the first video. So I'm a big believer in that brand. And so I've attended the seminars. I've shared the message. When we brought Tom on the show, we tagged Tom in to let him know that we believe in his message and we're getting it out there. Not to say, hey, look at us and we're trying to do a favor for you, but really just to say, I believe in your brand and I want people to know about it. And what happens, I believe, in Peel is after a while, when you do that for a person, you built up a little bit of, let's say, uh, deposits, if you will. And they start to say, okay, this person is not just out for themselves. But if you start out and say, hey, um, I, I see that you have a big network and I'd like to reach your network. Will you send them details out about my new book? <laughs> it's probably not going to go over that well. It will, you know, you might get one out of 20 or one out of 80 or one out of 100. <laughs> but it's not going to have the same success as if you even spend a few months you know, asking questions, seeing how they built their brand, ask, seeing if there's a way you can actually do a favor for them. Can I get your message out in a new way? That, that's going to go a lot further. So I guess what I would say about collaboration is you have to give first or at least show value in the relationship before you actually expect to uh, start yielding the benefit in return. I, I think that would be the biggest takeaway for me is that I would like to leave people with is that you have to plant some seeds and do it for the right reasons. And over time, you'll start to build a momentum. And perhaps before that, you have to maybe sit down if you want to talk systems or plans and say, who do I want to build a relationship with? Who is the right person for me to reach? So maybe you come up with 20 people and then you add them to your list and you reach out and you try to build relationships with them by adding value. I mean, that's what I would tell people if they want to start collaborating with people. The end result and the reward, of course, is, as you mentioned, you know, you put in a little bit of time in the front end, but maybe you 10 times or 20 times or 30 times your result on the back end. You know, I won't say the name, but we had a, a popular podcaster on our show. And when we sent out the details about the book that I mentioned and their quote was in the book, they sent it out to their list or tribe. And I remember within two hours, we had something like 500 people grab the book. So, you know, what would I have had to do in two hours to get 500 people from scratch to grab the book? I mean, so that's the result of building that relationship and planting that seed for a matter of, in that case, I think seven or eight months. You know, Corey, what you're talking about right now is extremely, this is a difference between winning and losing in business, I believe, is, you know, the strategies and being strategic because, um, you know, it's all about, you know, you're talking about this earlier, you know, so I call it social influence or social capital. It's like having a bank account and how much capital do you have as far as the more you do for people, the more they feel they have to reciprocate back. So, um, I think this is so important, and you know, for the you know, for those of you that are listening right now, this is something you really, really gotta you gotta if you master this, uh, th- this will really open up all kinds of doors. In the very beginning, uh, we did a lot of free. We did a tremendous amount of free just to kind of get our. Uh, get our foot in the door, build that relationship. Um, one time we put together a an event that we had, we only had 10 days and they wanted 50 people in the room. 
and uh, we wound up getting over 400 people in there, and they couldn't believe it. This was not on a webinar. This was like a live event, and it was, you know, four huge internationally renowned names, and we, back then, this was about six years ago, we put everything on hold and just rolled up our sleeves, and because of that, it opened up all kinds of other doors, so that 10 days that we were in the trenches doing that really paid off, so um, I read recently the average... Uh, Fortune 500 company has 150 JV partners. So that's the fastest way right now in this new economy to explode your business. But um, what other tips can you give everybody regarding joint ventures and, and leveraging relationships? Because this is, this is really the heart of everything, I believe. Well, absolutely. And, and what I'll even add, just you know, to put it in somebody's head is the why bother. And then, and then I'll give some tips as well. But, you know, it just made me think of this as you were saying that about building that relationship and what you were able to do with that event. You know, if you think about it, I haven't done this yet, and I do have intentions to put together a monthly webinar. But I haven't, I honestly can say that it's been in the back burner. I've talked to a few people about coming onto the show, but I haven't really put invested a lot of time into it. But webinars are, have become, and a lot of people see them as one of the best ways to also bring leads into your business. And just think of the power now, we mentioned the number, you know, 30, well, and you mentioned 2,500, we're actually over 3,000 now, so I think it's 3,200 interviews. And, you know, you think about it, and by the way, I started as somebody who didn't have any special talent or experience or anything, so I don't want somebody to think that this is, you know, that it's not possible to do. And in a short amount of time, because I'm still, I'm, you know, I'm just past my 30s now. So, but what I will say is that I, if you think about it, with that many people that we've had on the show, that we've had in our book, that we've constantly tried to deliver value for, if I started reaching out now because I want to do my monthly webinar and bring on a pretty massive guest every month and have that guest come on and do the webinar, probably at no cost to me, you, know, you think of the value of that and, and the benefit of that and the power of that to bring on a big household name to your webinar for a half hour to an hour and then run Facebook ads to drive people to that webinar. I mean, you know, where else are you going to get that kind of power? And result. So, you know, to me, that's the build. It is once you have, like you mentioned, you have that uh, Rolodex, if you will. You can kind of tap into it when you need to, as long as you don't go to the well too often. So, the one thing I'll I'll also add is you can't go to the well too often, and you can't give once or twice and then expect to receive twenty times. It's got to be balanced. In terms of uh, strategies, you know, what I will say is, first of all, I think a person needs to look at what is the way that they are best suited to market their business. So, you know, in other words, what is the way based on their business type, are they going to be able to draw leads into their business? So, for instance, I mentioned eBooks. I mean, that's a great approach for me because I, I am a writer. I had, you know, six traditional books out before I started the eBook at all. So that's a great approach for me, but that might not be for somebody else who's not a writer. Or you might be a video person and you want your face on video, whereas somebody else doesn't want to be seen on video at all. So the first thing I would say, if you want to bring joint ventures in, is you have to decide which is the way you're going to work with joint ventures. Because the second part is, different joint ventures are going to ha like different mediums. Some only do webinars. Some only do video. So first, I think you have to sit down and, and write your, you know, your game plan. And part of that is, what is the way that I'm comfortable getting my message out and it's going to best suit my business? And then secondly, it's to figure out what joint ventures are, you know, work in those mediums. How do you do that? And this is maybe a strategy as well, is you start subscribing to newsletters of the people that are building big audiences or doing the things you want to do. So you subscribe to their newsletters, see the way they try to get their message out. Are they always webinar-driven? And then if you're webinar-driven as well, then you go, okay, this is probably a good fit. And then the next part is you develop what's the in for them, what's the benefit for them 
to actually joint venture with you, and then you have to reach out and show them that benefit. And it's a numbers game in some ways. You're probably going to have to, even after you build the relationship, you're going to have some that have, you know, are going to inside say, thank you for all the support you've given for my brand. Good luck with everything. You know, they're still not going to want to, they're, you know, their names are precious maybe, and they're just not going to want to share. So it's still a numbers game. So what I would say is, you know, decide which way you're going to market to people, then decide which joint ventures are going to work within that. Try to find ways to give and reach out to them. And then, of course, the last part is actually, you know, suggest that there might be a way that you guys can now partner together. So that's, I guess, more on the strategy side. In terms of things that you're going to need to do that, you're going to need everything from things like uh, a newsletter. You know, you you know, maybe there's people listening that they're doing a lot of marketing and doing a lot of stuff online, but they don't have a newsletter. Well, first of all, you need to start building a list. Because if you're selling your product to Walmart and they're carrying it to your customers or if you're using Facebook as your source for leads, what happens if Facebook changes the way they do business or they, they say that you're no longer allowed to offer things on Facebook because they don't like one of your posts? Or what happens if Walmart's your supplier and they decide they're not going to carry your line because somebody else is cheaper? How many customers do you now have when they cut you off at the knees? So you need to also be working on building a list. So you need to decide which newsletter list is best to build. And then you need to start looking at what are the, the ways to do that, like lead pages and things like that. I mean, of course, we can get very technical and all that <laughs> stuff. But I would just say the big part is to figure out who the best joint ventures are and find ways to build that relationship. And then the second part is to realize you need to build a list. I mean, you need to start that yesterday if you're not doing it because there's no other way to have a direct access to potential end consumers. Love it, love it. Well, there you have it, Corey Poria, just giving all the information on on basically building a brand, building an audience, building a database, also grabbing that passion and really figuring out what you want to do. And and, uh, great stuff, Corey. Thanks for joining. Really appreciate having you on the show. You can check them out at thatspeakerguy.com or thepassioncure.com. Thanks so much, Corey, for being on the show. Thank you, guys. It's been an absolute pleasure. And uh, I'll just maybe leave by saying uh, I hope you guys can find a way today, which I'm sure there's no problem in doing, to live with passion. Love it. <laughs> the vitamin P. Vitamin P. Get, get more of <laughs> that vitamin I'm, P. I'm, I'm going to borrow that from you, Corey. <laughs> All right, good. This has been the Mojo, the Mojo Marketing Edge. Thanks so much for being on. And we'll see everybody next week, 1 p.m. Pacific time on Mondays. See you then. Adios. Thank you for listening today. Please tune in to The Mojo Marketing Edge with Ira Rosen and Corey Michael Sanchez again next Monday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We'll see you next week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network its staff, and management.